It is good to be with you guys. Merry Christmas again, and thanks for having us here. Um, this is a lot of fun that we get to do this together. Yeah. Um, as we get rolling, let me ask you a question, and, and I was thinking about this this week. I've got three kids, um, so Christmas is a lot of fun for us right now, but I remember very distinctly a present that I wanted. It was the first present that I wanted where if I woke up on Christmas morning, I would have been very disappointed to have not received, like become obsessed with it. Was there ever a present that you felt that way? I think Christmas Story. We all know the, the famous movie, right? The Christmas Story with Ralphie. I think we have a picture of that, maybe. No, there it Boom, is. Yes, there it is. That one, in case you, you don't remember. That, that, that kind of obsession over a present. Um, I, I had an obsession like that. Mine was very specifically, me and my friends were obsessed with mountain biking um, at, at, at a young age, and they were just starting to put shocks on a bike. It was, it was a new thing, and I really wanted a specific giant mountain bike with shocks. That's it. And, and, and I was absolutely um, obsessed with getting this bike. It's what I wanted more than anything that Christmas. Tom, what, what, what did you want for Christmas when you were a kid? Do you remember? I do. Uh, can, you, can you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, bikes weren't invented when I oh, was a kid. So, yeah. I know it was a long time yeah. ago, wasn't it? No, sure? I actually wanted what uh, Ralphie wanted. Um, I know it's a little scary to say in Boulder, but I, I was uh, <laughs> lived in a rural area, and I actually wanted... <laughs> Did you, um, did, did you look like Ralphie? Uh, yeah, I actually did. I probably did. I did, and, uh, which means that you probably look like Scott Farkas, right? <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Boom. Uh, maybe not looks. I, I would say I was probably like Scott Farkas. Yeah, you probably In many were. respects. <laughs> but, but yeah, so th- there's, there's this want that we have. We all have these wants. We all have these desires. And, and desires are, are a good thing. I, and I, I think you, you know that, that they can be given from God, but, but here's the good news this Christmas Eve, right, is that the ultimate desire of our soul, the longings of our heart, is ultimately actually fulfilled in a gift that has already been given in the coming of Jesus Christ. The incarnate God himself has come to us and has given us what we long for more than anything, even if we don't know it even if we don't know it. And so if, if you're here and maybe you, I, I get it, it's Christmas Eve, some of you are like, I'm here because mom made me come, yep. or like my neighbor promised I'd make dinner, or whatever it might be. I, I'm glad you're here, and, and hopefully you'll see today that Jesus and what we celebrate here tonight is of the utmost importance, and it actually is the thing that satisfies the deepest longings of our souls. And so what we're going to do, it's been really neat, is our two churches over this Advent season have actually been doing the same series at separate places. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at the wonderful gifts of Advent that are given to us. So we looked at hope, joy, peace, and love. And so we've been studying those at our separate churches, and tonight we come together to look at them kind of just once more and see how they are fully realized in the coming of Jesus Christ. And so as I start us off, I want to drill down a little bit on hope. And I think it's appropriate that we start with hope because hope is a bit of a foundation. We've kind of bookended this with hope and love, two of the things that we absolutely need and that are key for this whole entire thing. And so we all desire hope. We all need more hope. Any amens on that? (laughs) You, You need any more hope in your life? Right? And so I don't know what, what, what might cause hopelessness in your life. Maybe that's turning on the news and seeing what's happening in the world. It can seem, what are we to do with all of this? Or maybe this year is a little more difficult than normal because of the reality. Maybe you're not able to celebrate Christmas this season, this year, with somebody who you lost this year. 
right? There's countless reasons why our hope can wane, but I'm here to tell you that the hope that is found in Jesus Christ is actually sufficient to sustain us through those difficult times. And we can still be a hopeful people. I want to read you a passage. It's a famous passage. It's out of the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is speaking to the people of God, the Israelites, that, that, that are engaging a, what seems to be a hopeless situation. They have been conquered by the Assyrians, and they don't know where to turn or what to do. And God gives this message to Isaiah to deliver to the people of God. And here's what he says. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. That is the word of God. Now, you, you, you might go, what does that have to do with hope? You just talked about a stump, right? Like, what, 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 what are we talking about here? And you may be wondering, what's going on. This, this passage is dealing directly with hope. What we get is this, is a picture of a shoot coming out of a stump. So if I put it really simple, I would say it this way. It is something that is dead, that appears to be dead, now producing life once again. A hopeless situation now providing hope. And what the text says is this. It says that it'll come from the line of Jesse. And what we know the line of Jesse is, is that would be the father of the great king David. Right? And so from this line would come this hope. But, 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 right, but in this moment when the Israelites would have received this message, it wasn't a time of hope. It was a time of sadness. But God delivers this message to him and says, hey, through this line, which we ultimately know that Jesus Christ himself came from the line of David, that there would be a hope that would come. There would be something that would come out of a hopeless situation and bring life. And that's what we're getting here. This hope that Isaiah was speaking of was Jesus. It was Jesus who came and brought the ultimate hope that we need. He made a way for us to come back home to God. He, he did more than just fix a nation. right? He, he, he came and made a way for us to come home to God. For our sins to be taken care of as Tom's going to talk about here more in a minute. And what our God does over and over again, and I just want to encourage you with this here this evening, what our God does over and over again is he loves to take the situation that seems hopeless and say, no, 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 what you see as hopeless is the fertile ground that I see for me to move and do something that nobody saw coming. The great example of that, of course, is the cross of Jesus Christ. When all hope seemed to be lost, when the, when the man that everybody thought came to save them was dying on the cross, they thought it was all over, but three days later, he rose from the grave conquering sin, Satan, and death. This is what our God does, is he brings hope to the hopeless. And so if that's you today, I, I, I want to be honest, and I want to be as raw and real as I possibly can. I understand that some of you might be struggling, and I want to I be happy on Christmas Eve, right? Like nobody wants me to get up here and give a really sad message. 
But the truth is some of you might be wondering if there's any hope left. And I'm here to tell you this evening that there is. And that it's found in the coming of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that here this evening. And what a great hope we have. So Tom, I, I, I don't know about you, but these kinds of things for me, um, to be honest, are um, reminders for me because I can find myself um, forgetting yeah. the goodness of this Advent season. No question. So hope is something we long for, and um, it's hard to talk about hope and the second gift that God gives at Advent, joy. Knowing that, for many of us in the room, life is anything but joyous and hopeful because of the difficulties of life. But Jesus Christ came in to give hope that lasted for eternity, and it was a hope fulfilled that was all prophesied in the Old Testament, as Matt read. Joy is spoken right in the Christmas narrative, a promise from heaven and angels to shepherds in the field, a promise that you will have joy. It's funny to imagine um, someone, you should be joyful. No, be joyful. (laughs) Yeah, no, it doesn't work. (laughs) You, You have to have a foundation for joy that it it springs up within you because of a reality. Listen to the words of the angel to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. The angel said to them, that's the shepherds, that's who the, that was the recipient of this news, which by the way, if you were bringing good news of a great joy and you wanted all the world to know it, would you go to the shepherds first? It doesn't seem like it makes sense to go to the person who probably sociologically is on the outskirts of the who's who in society. If you wanted everybody to know this great news, you'd go to the elites, to the academics, to the politicians, to the leaders, and you, if you could possibly get them to buy into your message that you have good news for them, they could be the carriers of this message into all the world, but not so with God. He goes to shepherds. I just want to say to you, if you feel like you're not a who's who, you're good. I mean, (laughs) tune, tune in to God coming first through an angel to the shepherd and saying, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a what? Of a great joy which shall be for all people. I've got good news. You're going to have great joy. It's for all people. I love that God simply says this. I'm going to send a gift in the arrival of a child to Mary in Bethlehem. I'm telling shepherds first, and this is going to be good news that's going to result in great joy on the inside, and it's available to everybody. And then it's explained, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, everybody, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I think the, the second gift that God intended to give in addition to hope is joy. But joy is tied to the explanation, you need a Savior. And if you have a Savior, 
then you can have joy. And I could tell you, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you can't know real joy. Oh, you can know happiness. Happiness comes from the Danish word hap. And we use all kinds of words that are associated with it. It really means um, chance or circumstance. Happiness is tied to your happenings. And if your happenings are good, you're happy. And if your happenings aren't good, not so much. If mama's not happy, yeah, nobody is. So why? Because the circumstances aren't very good, so I'm not happy. That's not joy. All of us have happenings in our life that are not pleasurable. And I think it's possible to have joy in the midst of those. Happiness isn't joy. Joy isn't getting high or having some exuberant experience. Joy is the inner settled disposition of the heart in which you are at rest with the reality that the angel talked about. You have a Savior and you're at peace with God. You're right with God. And if you're right with God, all is right in your world. Are you with me? Joy is something very, very different. And because Jesus came to be a Savior, what's implied is that we need to be saved. And it turns out that what we need to be saved from, he shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. <laughs> sins. And today, exactly as it was in Jesus' day, there were many people who said, well, I don't need that. I'm good. I got mine. I'm doing better than most. And Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. We deny it. We camouflage it. We cover it. We compensate for it. But in reality, what we really need is the forgiveness that Jesus brings. And that's why he came into the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. That's a gift that only God can give, that sort of settled disposition in your heart that you know you're right with him. And it's very close to the third gift, which is the gift of peace. Matt, tell us that. All right. I can do that. You have to. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's, I'm in his house. No, no, yeah. It's God's house. All right. <laughs> Take the righteous road. Okay. All right. Well... Peace is one of my favorite topics to talk about. And one of the beautiful things about peace is, is we could go all over the Bible and find a home, right, where we can discuss peace. But I want to give you one of my favorite passages, and then we'll talk about it. It's John 14, 27, and it says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I don't know about you, I, I love this passage. I, I, refer to, I, have, I have this thing that I do. Um, I, I call certain passages, um, remember this passages. So, so when I'm out in life and really living, I'm trying to have these things on the forefronts of my mind so that I remember them. Then when life hits me, I'm, I'm trying to go over this. I don't always do great, but this is one of them that I use on repeat. And I should have used it yesterday. I, I'm sad to report I did not. Because I'm a genius, I chose to do all of my Christmas shopping yesterday. All of it. And, uh, and I did it. I, I accomplished it. I'm a goal setter. Um, and, and, so, and so I accomplished it, got it done. And then I decided that I was going to take my three kids, four, seven, and nine, 
out shopping so that they could get something for their mom. And because I'm a genius, I went to Boulder Target at 2.30 in the afternoon yesterday. Nice. Um, I did not find peace there. <laughs> it was more like an episode of like The Walking Dead and just trying to escape alive and just get out of there. And, and, and I, I just wanted to make it home. And, and I was sitting there, I was like, man, I'm supposed to preach on peace tomorrow. I am not feeling very peaceful right now. Now, th that's funny, and, and, and I share that, but, but it's a good example because here's the reality of our lives, right? Our lives are those runs to Target. It's mm. dropping off kids at school. It's going to work. It's having hard conversations. It's all of these small things. And if we don't learn to be able to abide and rest in the peace that God has given us, did you notice the passage that says that he has given it to us? It's not something we have to go take. It's been a gift that has been given. We need to learn to do that so that when we're not doing, dealing with the target run stuff, but when we're dealing with the really heavy things of life, the bad phone call, the loss of a job, whatever that might be, that we can remember the peace that can be found in Jesus. And this is tied to the hope, right, and, 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 the, and the joy that we've been looking at, right, and, and this peace that we get from God. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Matt, that's a cute um, platitude to say on Christmas Eve, I get it, go be peaceful, but you, you don't know what's going on in my life, and, and you're right, I, I, I don't, and, and I, I think we've kind of become cynical to the idea of peace at some level, right? We get leaders who rise up and say, hey, I'm going to bring peace and prosperity and all these good things in the world, and then they tend to fail us repeatedly, and so we might want to give up on something like peace, but let me encourage you not to do that. Let me suggest this to you here tonight. The peace that's given by Jesus, it's different. It's different than the peace that's offered from, by, by the world. It's different. It's sure. It's trustworthy. We can take it to the bank. You, you, you see, the, the, the difference here is this. The peace that the Bible teaches us to pursue and abide in does not guarantee us that we will not have unpeaceful moments in life. It means that we will have the peace of God with us in the midst of those moments. It means we don't stop taking the boat out onto the lake because of a fear of a storm. We can go out onto the lake now knowing that Jesus is in the boat with us and he can calm the storm. You see, it's different. And it's not just that. You see, a lot of times we want to treat peace like this. That peace is like a thing that we get and we put on the shelf and we grab it when we need it. But listen, peace isn't just a thing. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. Listen to this passage, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Jesus is peace. He is the peace that our souls long for. So this Christmas, may you not just know about peace, but may you know the person who is peace, Jesus Christ. Amen. Tom, you want to yeah. finish this up with the fourth gift? What's the last gift? Love. Love. Some people are hard to love. <laughs> <laughs> I love Matt. <laughs> Matt's my friend. Matt's helped me in my life and my church. I've had been able to be in his life. Some people hard to love. Yeah, Matt is sometimes, but 
<laughs> so am I. Other, others of us love easily. God came into the world to love people who were not loving him back. It's easy to love people who love us. It's hard to love people who don't love us. The world was going its own way. And God entered the world to love people who were going away from him. John 3.16, most famous verse in the Bible. You can see it at a football game. God so loved the world that he gave. That's Christmas. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but could have everlasting life. God loved us by giving his son. Love is a sacrifice. Love isn't a feeling. Love is an action that says, my heart is so moved that I will go without so you can have because I love you in a sense, more than I even love myself. And when God loved, it wasn't to get us in return. It was, to, it was to rescue us. The Bible puts it this way. One of the writers in the New Testament, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says this. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. God showed his love by sending his son that we could live through him. Now you're going to hear another theme that we talked about a minute ago. In this is love. Not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and, everybody, sent his son to be a $64,000 theological word, a propitiation for our, oh, there's that ugly word again. He sent his son to be the, the thing that turns the wrath of God away from us because of our sins. God sent his son into the world to turn away the judgment of God on sinners and to put it instead on his son. And he did it to show how much he loves us. Merry Christmas. And it doesn't get better. And I realize you may be sitting here and say, I don't feel loved, I don't feel peace, I don't feel hope, I don't feel joy. And I bet if it's true for you, life is just creeping up, crowding out, and we're here just to be quiet before the Lord and say, no. In the most phenomenal way, God came into our world to bring these realities because he does, does love you. You know what? Christmas is actually a story about rescue. And I love a rescue story. It's why all the books that we read, we love so much, and we watch movies about a rescue. Someone has said that um, if a book sells more than a million copies, you should look carefully for the message of the gospel in the story because it's probably there. Because we love the story of a rescue. It was June 23rd. 2018, when a soccer team in Thailand went missing, 12 um, boys aged 11 through 16 and their coach finished practice and went down to some caves, went into the caves and a monsoon rainstorm came and just flooded the area so that the water rose up around the mouth of the cave and they could not escape the cave. 
The caves were deep and complex, and they went back to try to find another way out, and they became lost. And they were in that cave for nine days. People knew they were in there somewhere, but they couldn't get to them as the mouth of the cave was covered over. Nine days later, two British divers came into the cave in some way. They popped up, and there they all were. They were smelly, hungry, confused. They didn't even know how many days had elapsed since they had been on the inside. So a plan started to get hatched to how would we go get them. They thought about going down through the top, but they were afraid it would break the cave in. And they thought about bringing food in until the rains went, but that was four months. They couldn't do that, so they figured out a very elaborate, risky, complicated plan with professional divers from around the world who would come and bring the boys out with oxygen masks on their faces, one player at a time, 11 of them. It was an amazing rescue. In fact, one Navy SEAL who participated said that they anticipated a 40% casualty rate. That is that four or five of the boys were likely to die in this rescue attempt. The world was riveted. And they got them all out, one by one. One diver lost his life. We love a rescue story. In fact, it's something in us like a tuning fork that when you hit the tuning fork in the deep part of your soul, it vibrates like, yes, save them. When someone's lost and in trouble and they don't even know it, um, or then they've they just been stuck in this place, they always ask three questions. Does anybody know I'm lost? Does anybody care? Will anybody come for me? Christmas is the story that God says yes to all of those. He knows you're lost. He, he cares about you. And he came for you. It is the beautiful story. The greatest story in all the world is Christmas. I'm not making that up. It is. All time is told by 2019 after his birth changes the world. And he came for you. Um, he came because he didn't want to seek his own way, but he wanted to seek our way. He loves us. He wanted to save us. So can I just say to you, if you are feeling hopeless tonight, I mean, so hopeless that you can't even imagine a pathway to hope again. And inside you feel like, wow, I'm so far from this God that you're talking about and all of these gifts. I want to say to you, Merry Christmas, Jesus Christ came for you. Mm. Or if you are in a place here today and you are just constantly feeling empty and you hear me talk about joy and you say, well, no, I might get high later, but I don't have joy. <laughs> I want to say to you, you know what it is to keep filling and trying to feed that emptiness inside, and it gets good for a while, and then it's emptier yet on the other side. I want to say to you, Merry Christmas. Jesus Christ came. Joy to the world. You can know him as a Savior. 
And if you're in a dark place and it's alone and you're afraid and you don't have peace and you don't know about your future, I want to say to you, Jesus Christ came for you. He is the rescuer you need and the rescuer you want. And he came for you at Christmas. And the only thing left for you to say is, I worship you. I, I need you to rescue my soul. And I welcome you into my heart. And whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, saved rescued. And I want to encourage you to do that tonight. Don't hold back. And then Christmas becomes really, truly worship. Now, when Jesus came into the world and he began his ministry, Matthew records these words from Matthew chapter 4, which is a retelling of Isaiah. This is what he said. The people who were sitting in darkness have seen a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned, and it was Jesus. That's why we do candle lighting. In a moment, we're going to light a candle after we turn the whole place dark. We're going to sit in the darkness together. And then we're going to light a candle just to remind ourselves that it was for this reason Jesus Christ came into the world. To bring hope, to bring joy, to bring peace, and to bring love. And you are not beyond that. And I pray that you'll open your heart to Jesus and welcome him in.